Indie Media. Well, you, you had, uh, of course, uh, above all the, the two events that you just uh, mentioned, which are the, uh, the, 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 the fact that the Syrian regime managed to go uh, on a new offensive, and that was uh, uh, enabled by a massive uh, Iranian intervention. And by Iranian intervention, I mean uh, uh, not only Iran's direct intervention, but uh, its uh, regional proxies, including uh, the Lebanese Hezbollah and uh, um, uh, Iraqi forces, uh, uh, that was uh, the, 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 the turning point, in my view, and that was followed uh, shortly after, actually, by the, the coup in Egypt, uh, and then later by the uh, comeback of the uh, old regime in Tunisia. I mean, with the, the, the new president, uh, old figure of the previous regime, and actually the third oldest uh, head of state in the world. And that was a, you know, a pathetic result for something that was labeled uh, the youth, a youth uh, uprising. So uh, you had over the, the whole region, uh, I mean, the winds of, uh, of counter-revolution, the winds of, of reaction uh, prevailed. And uh, we are still since then in this kind of phase that is basically... Until now, we have had uh, two these two major phases. One phase of upsurge, uh, which started in uh, in late 2010 and 2011, and uh, this phase of of, uh, of backlash of counter revolution uh, that started uh, two years after that. You've spoken about there being two counter revolutionary forces in the Arab world: one in the form of the old regimes the other in the form of various strands of fundamentalist Islam. Rather unusually among left-wing political analysis, you seem to give equal social weight to these counter-revolutionary trends. Explain, if you would, why you think these fundamentalist Islamic movements are as much a threat to progressive forces and the prospects for revolution as the dictatorships and monarchies that, that rule the region. Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't say they have the same weight. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the regimes, uh, by by definition, since they are they have uh, state power, uh, have uh, I mean are stronger, and uh, in the immediate uh, sense, uh, more more harmful. But uh, in a strategic perspective, if you want, uh, both uh, the the regimes and the uh, Islamic fundamentalist. Uh, uh, forces that exist in the region and that are uh, in opposition to the regimes in various places uh, are both uh, fatal dangers, threats to the, uh, the the uprising, to the progressive content of the uprising, um, and uh, and there are also threats in in the sense that uh, we, we see this interplay be, between the, the, these two. Uh, forces, uh, how it leads to, to how it led to the marginalization, actually, of the the progressive forces, the progressive uh, circles that uh, were uh, that initiated the, the uprising uh, in uh, in in 2011. So um, that uh, this can also lead to situation like the one we have in Syria. Uh, where uh, the the barbarism of the Assad regime uh, 
uh, manage to produce uh, forces uh, on the other side, uh, which are uh, also barbaric forces. I mean, um, uh, you know, hardline uh, Islamic fundamentalist up to the, the horrific uh, ISIS. But, uh, I mean, the horrific ISIS, which is uh, uh, horrific, I mean, in, its, in the spectacular way of its uh, actions, but actually not uh, uh, more horrific than, than the, 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 the Syrian regime is, actually. You've spoken there about the marginalisation of progressive forces and the rise of fundamentalist Islamic movements, but there's also the question, perhaps, of some of the strategic errors made by the revolutionary forces. Where do you think those revolutionary forces have gone wrong in the last few years, to the extent there even are sustainable and real revolutionary forces in the region, which is a question unto itself. For instance, in Egypt, there was a lot of fierce debate on the left as to whether socialists, for instance, fell into the trap of putting all their energy into toppling the Morsi government in 2012-13, only for the military to to outmaneuver the Tamarod movements and reinstall a dictatorship, one arguably even more brutally repressive than the Mubarak regime. So that's perhaps one example where strategic errors were made by revolutionary forces. Well, Indeed, but they they fell twice in the trap. Uh, once by in allying, I mean, some of them with the Muslim Brotherhood uh, uh, in the beginning, believing that the Muslim Brotherhood would be uh, some kind of uh, uh, progressive factor in uh, in Egypt, and then later on in allying with the the, the, the army uh, against uh, the same Muslim Brotherhood. So they they shifted from one alliance to another, and both alliances have been very detrimental to uh, the perspective of building uh, a third camp, if you want, uh, uh, an independent, progressive uh, force uh, able to to, uh, express and... uh, and lead, I mean, to express the, the progressive aspirations of the, 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 the people who made the, 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 the uprisings in the first place, and especially the, the, the young people, and, and lead them toward, uh, towards consolidating this uh, third force and, uh, and uh, aiming at, uh, at its victory. Instead of that, they, we, we've seen uh, that, uh, as I just said, the, 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 this progressive camp has been marginalized and the situation has became dominated by the clash between the two contented, contending uh, reactionary forces or counter-revolutionary forces. And uh, that is the, 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 the major problem uh, that uh, uh, is behind what is uh, happening today. We are speaking to Gilbert Achka, Professor of Development Studies and International Relations at the School of Oriental and African Studies of the University of London and you're listening to the Indie Media Show on RTRFM 92.1. Indie Media. You make the argument in your book that the Arab uprisings of 2011 were never going to emulate the relatively peaceful transitional events in Eastern Europe in 1989. Explain to our listeners why it was wrong for so many commentators to draw comparisons between 1989 and the Arab Spring. What makes them so different? Why have their historical outcomes been so different? Yeah, I mean, because the, the, the events in Eastern Europe were actually a historical exception in the sense that uh, uh, these were uh, exceptional type of, uh, of states, of regimes, where uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, ruling uh, strata were not uh, property classes. They did not... Uh, they were not owning land or capital or whatever. They were uh, bureaucrats, 
uh, and uh, the, 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 the vast majority of them believed that they could uh, recycle their, uh, their privileges uh, under a market economy, under a, a new kind of system. And indeed they did, many, many, many of them. Uh, even I mean, in Russia itself, uh, the, the two uh, presidents that you have, post-Soviet Union, one of them had been uh, a member of the Politburo of the Communist Party, was, uh, Boris Yeltsin, and the second had been uh, an agent, I mean, of, the, of the, the Soviet Secret Services, the KGB. These are well-known issues. Whereas in the Arab countries, what you have uh, in, um, are uh, either... Uh, families completely owning the the state uh, and be, be behaving as if if the state uh, were their private property with their uh, private guards uh, being the, the elite forces in the state and and this is a completely different situation such people uh, never relinquish power peacefully uh, and you you can't dismiss them uh, uh, unless you 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 inflict some uh, uh, defeat to their uh, to their military backbone unless you, you manage to to break or or paralyze their their military uh, backbone and in other cases you have uh, military the military are in power as is the case in in Egypt or uh, for instance uh, another country in the region uh, which shares this feature is Algeria there you have uh, the military institution which is controlling the country and uh, uh, with the huge privileges uh, coming out of this uh, control and uh, which uh, therefore would not also again relinquish this power b b without uh, using its uh, its uh, its uh, its uh, its force, it, which is, by, I mean, the 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 the, the essence of, of its own existence, since we're speaking of armed forces. So that's why the, the idea that you would have uh, relatively smooth and peaceful uh, changes, uh, in like you had in Eastern Europe, was was a complete illusion. It was clear that. Uh, uh, and it's, it's, it's now clearer than ever, actually, than any real radical change in the region will be uh, something that will take a very um, a long time, and it will be an, ex I mean, uh, extremely difficult process. Uh, nothing of a cakewalk. Right? It's, it's a, uh, we can see already how, how difficult it is. But in 2011, you had a lot of of uh, illusions. You had a kind of euphoria. Uh, and the belief that, you know, toppling the, the tip of the iceberg in uh, Tunisia or Egypt meant uh, uh, changing the regime, which, of course, uh, was, was completely wrong. In the introduction, you quote with justifiable contempt, in my view, Samuel Huntington and Francis Fukuyama, who are among the leading lights of a whole army of pro-American imperialist scribes and pseudo-intellectuals who dearly hope any changes in the region fall within manageable parameters, that any change in regime, any change in the governments that rule the region can be swiftly and easily accommodated into the American empire, as we've seen, for instance, with the so-called color revolutions in the ex-Soviet republics. What prospects do you see now of this interregnum period ending and of there being a rebirth of the revolution that goes beyond those, those manageable parameters? Um... I mean, of course, it's uh, it's uh, very uneven. We, I mean, the the, the obvious fact is that uh, this uh, global system uh, that uh, has been shaped by the neoliberal offensive since uh, the 80s 
is uh, is in deep crisis. Um, and this crisis has, uh, like any historical uh, crisis, or at least like those big, uh, major historical crises of the of the capitalist system, uh, and the, the the most important one historically was the the, the interwar uh, crisis uh, of of last century, of the the 1930s, essentially 20s and 30s. Uh, the, what we see is on this background of, of social economic crisis, uh, we, we, we see uh, a polarization between uh, 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 right-wing radicalization and the left-wing radicalization. And uh, that's quite, I think, quite obvious if you take a country uh, like the United States or a country like Britain, uh, you have uh, the, on, uh, Sanders on the, on the one hand, you have uh, Trump on the, uh, the other. And in, in Britain, you have a Corbyn on the one hand, but you have also a Farage and such people uh, on, on, on the other hand. So we are we are in in in, in this kind of, of you know we stand at crossroads in the, the historical sense, uh, and uh, and I mean the the, the issue will be uh, will essentially depend on the ability of progressive forces. The same goes for for the world as it goes for the the, the Arab countries. The ability of progressives to offer uh, real alternatives and to to offer credible alternatives to the existing order will be uh, crucial for for the the outcome of uh, of all that Finally, Professor Achka, you take the title of your book from the famous line by Antonio Gramsci in his prison notebooks, the crisis consists precisely in the fact that the old is dying and the new cannot be born. In this interregnum, a great variety of morbid symptoms appear. In your view, how much longer is this interregnum period likely to last? Could it be decades? And what further morbid symptoms are we likely to see? Could the multiple interconnected wars in the region grow even worse than they already are? Oh yes, I'm afraid that we haven't seen yet the the the, the worst of it. Although what we've seen has been uh, appalling, uh, uh, but uh, the key point, uh, which also I keep saying, that in the same way that uh, in 2011 I was warning against the euphoria and the illusions that it created. Uh, I am nowadays in the position of warning against uh, the, the the reverse. That is the, this kind of full pessimism uh, that exists uh, with regard to the uh, Arab countries. Uh, uh, well, I said from the beginning that what started in 2011 is a long-term revolutionary process. We have to think of it. Uh, in terms uh, uh, similar to uh, those that come to mind when you, you, you say the English Revolution or the French Revolution or the Chinese Revolution, you're not thinking of uh, one week or one day or, or even a few months. You're speaking of processes that went over for decades. And that's exactly what the, the, the Arab countries have entered in since 2011. It's a, a period that will go over for for four decades uh, and with ups and downs, upsurges and backlashes, uh, phases of revolutionary upsurge and phases of counter-revolution. Um, but uh, there is still hope. That is the key message that comes of that when you face the present condition. And this hope is, I mean, is, is rooted in the fact that the this generation that the uprising uh, is still there. The potential is represented 
presence is still there. It hasn't been crushed, uh, and it still expresses itself in various ways. From uh, uh, I, I, you can take many, uh, like the resumption of demonstrations uh, when you had a ceasefire in Syria uh, some time ago, or uh, the uh, 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 the regional. Uh, uh, the demonstrations or even uh, uprisings uh, that is, are still happening in uh, in Tunisia, or the the massive abstention in election of the young people uh, in both Tunisia and Egypt, where you have uh, huge uh, <laughs> rates of abstention of the young people as a uh, result of their disillusionment and the fact that they can't see in in the political offer anything representing their aspirations. So there is still hope, hope, uh, not enough to be optimistic, but enough to be hopeful. And uh, it's far from the end of the story. There won't be any stability in the region for many, many, many years to come.